Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm Paul Arnold. He's Ernest Watts. We're back again for another sports podcast. And Ernest, I thought for some of our new listeners, they might think, who are these guys? Do they really think they know about sports? Ernest, you've played sports. Just You played football? Yes. You, baseball but, in high school, baseball, football. You've coached Track kids. and basketball. I've coached uh, junior college basketball. And I've coached kids in baseball and basketball. And your biggest claim to fame in Rockingham for many years was? I shook hands with Michael Jordan. Oh, well, that's... Did you ever I wash I shook hands with hand? Dean Smith? No, both hands have been unwashed. I did <laughs> use different hands. That's why they're turning green. One was on a basketball court, the other one's at a urinal, so... <laughs> no, Ernest and I what? were fortunate to do a little broadcasting for oh. the Richmond Raiders football team for several years, and Ernest did much longer than I did. And uh, that was a lot of fun. But for those who think of oh, high school football, um, how many people could fit in that stadium back in the day? Back in the day, it was uh, the seats would seat 9,500. But, okay. you've, I, but I've done college basketball, too, uh, Division two and Division three games I've broadcast. St. Andrews and UNC Pembroke. There you go. There you go. Yep. So I've played hockey, I've played baseball, I've played um, college soccer, which is a whole strange story all to itself, and uh, just love playing sports. And so between the two of us, we find enough things to talk about, and we have a lot of fun. And this time of year, I mean, and NFL, then, it's a great now time Now that I mentioned, we have collectively uh, 120-some years of sports viewing experience. Oh, my gosh. Ernest, I feel so old now. I don't know if I can finish the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm the one with the 67. You've only got 61. 61. So it's 128 years of watching sports. That's the thing about sports. It makes you feel young because you started loving it when you were young. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, I, I, can, I have, can actually see changes in the way the game's played. Like, you're going to start off with the NFL. And, and when I started watching the NFL, they only played 12 games in a season. Yeah. And when I started watching, there were two separate leagues, the AFL and the NFL. And you got one game on Sunday. It wasn't until I was in first grade that we had national contracts. Oh, before we go down this road too far. Okay, sorry. You, you, we also had to walk uphill both ways and it snowed, yes, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, the national contract, there was not an NBC or CBS or NBC contract to 1964. Right. Before that, it was all regional networks like we see with baseball. And we're glad, like right now, we have choice of all these games, and sometimes they're worth watching and sometimes they're not. And Ernest, the NFL continues to always provide so much entertainment. I know Taylor Swift was at Kansas City today, <laughs> but I'm not going to talk that she was wearing red lipstick and that she was cheering for her supposedly new boyfriend, uh, Kelsey. But let's talk about real football here, right? As I, as I understand it, all her, all her son, all her, uh, excuse me, all her boyfriends are just serve a purpose for her writing a breakup song later on. Uh, yeah, that but that's the a vain thing. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't name three of her songs. I really yeah. don't. I just know I wanted to take this topic and shake it off. Oh, okay. Get rid of it. Gone. <laughs> gone. It's gone. It's gone. You don't. You didn't catch that hint, did you? That was her famous song, Shake It Off. Okay. See, I don't know her song. 
All right, here not, we go. I'm not in her demo. I really, you know, a lot of not a lot of 67 year old white men listen to Taylor Swift. Yeah, really. yeah. I quoted a Conway West um, song only because I heard it on Tonight Show, and this younger lady who works in my department looked at me like, "What? You're a Kanye fan?" I said, "Not really. Don't Con- Con- don't believe Kanye it. West." You said Conway Twitty. Conway West. Did I say Conway Twitty? Wow. Yes, that's, you did. Wow, that's really I, old. I, Nobody I, knows who Conway Twitty is except for us. Yes, and the Twitty Birds. Yes. Okay. That was just fan. All right, back going. to the National football Yes, league. that's why it's called Pirate and the Confusion, folks. We're already yeah. confused and moving on. All right, here we go, Ernest. You are my football expert. All right, which team in NFL is in bigger trouble? The Cincinnati Bengals, 0-3. Or the Minnesota Vikings, 0-3? That's such a mediocre conference with the NFC North. I would tend to think the Bengals are a bigger problem. Yeah. Particularly because you've got uh, the Steelers and the Browns look pretty – I mean, today, Watson looked pretty good. And, and you've got the Ravens, even though the Ravens lost in overtime today. That's such a competitive conference – that 0 and 3. I could see you start off 0 and 3 in the NFC West because no team, even your beloved Lions, have really stuck up that much. I mean, in the NFC, I only see two teams that are Super Bowl worthy. AFC is a different story. So, home field, winning division, wild card, it's going to be harder for the Bengals. I mean, in the NFC, you've just got the Cowboys and the 49ers. That's it. And the, and, the, and the Eagles, three teams, three teams. Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers, that's the class of the NFC. Everybody else is mediocre. Yeah, Kirk Cousins looked very mediocre. I doubt he asked after the game, how do you like me now? Because the uniform answer would be, we think you stink. And even Fox News, uh, not Fox News, excuse me, Fox Sports uh, commentators Jimmy Johnson and the rest of them were just bashing the Vikings. Uh, saying, come on, you got to do better than this. I think the thing about Bengals that worries the most is Burroughs. Um, he is he can do so much when he's healthy, but when he's not, they're just a different team. All right, next question. What's well, the well, big- one more thing. If you switched coaches, the Chargers and Vikings, the Chargers probably would be a Super Bowl contender. Wow. You think- Chargers have the worst coach in the league. <laughs> and I picked them to go to Super Bowl, so that shows you what I know. Why did you pick him for the Super Bowl? The talent. I like Herbert. I like the wide receivers. I like the defense. You got Khalil Mack. You've got uh, uh, Kenneth Murray at linebacker. You got Boza. I mean, it's just it's just a talented team. But they have the worst coach. They're handicapped by the coach they have. They really, truly are. Next question. Sorry. Oh no, that's good. That's a good point. You always tell me the you know the games won in the trenches, and as I've been watching the first several weeks, they're already having injuries on the offensive line. It just seems like that is a position that they can't keep healthy on any team. It's not just the Lions or the Panthers. I I feel like offensive line just don't get enough respect, and they need to get more depth every team in that position. There's two factors there. A the, the good teams, the very good, the play worth, playoff-worthy teams, are the teams that have depth, that a, uh, that a backup can come in and do an adequate job. When you have to bring someone off 
the street to do that, that's when you got a losing team. The other thing is offensive line is the only position that has to be coordinated with the other four guys on the line. It's hard to stick someone in. You have to build that, that relationship in blocking because if you're not blocking someone, you're having to keep your head on the swivel to block someone else. And if there are twists or, or, or you know, those types of things, you've got to be able to communicate, slide off, and block. So that's the hardest. The hardest person to replace is not a quarterback. It is in the offensive line. And again, depth is the issue. The winning teams have depth where somebody can just step forward. And Patriots used to be famous for that, to have depth. Um, all right, my next question is, who's the bigger surprise? That the Titans are only one and two, or that the Colts are three and one? Oh, and the, the Jaguars being one and two also. Yeah. I would, uh, Colts being three and oh. And only having their starting quarterback for two of those games. Uh, one and a half game, actually. The mustache steps forward. <laughs> Mishu, we don't miss him, but uh, Mishu has been able to do it. And I watched, I was, you know, Sunday afternoon, if my team's not playing, I'm watching Red Zone. And which is like drug for football watchers. It's, it's, might as well just pump Red, Red Zone right into my veins. And they fell behind several times, and he was able to march them on back. I, the Ravens at. Baltimore. And again, now the Ravens are down two wide receivers. Um, uh, uh, Bateman was out and OBJ was out. But still, you know, they had the world-class kicker miss two field goals, which he never does. But he, he did a fine job. I mean, he, he's, a, he's never going to be a starter. But he's a, he's a Fitzpatrick type of guy. A guy who can come in for a while and lead your team and be stable in that respect. Yeah, uh, Minshew is always you. I root for him all the time. I think he's just a character. I like what he brings to the NFL. And um, yeah, the Titans. It surprises me. They were on the cusp of really greatness, and they just seem like they're falling back every year now. And I wonder when they're just going to cut bait with Tannehill. And and Henry's probably only got a couple more years anyway. It just it's sort of weird to see that, but uh, that coach is totally safe there. But if I was a Titans fan, I'd be pretty bummed. This would have been the year to trade Henry. You know, uh, Branch Rickey, who was a baseball executive, always said you traded a guy a year before his statistics start going down because you get the best value. And Henry's hitting that magic 30 age for running backs, which you really see a drop-off unless your name's Frank Gore. You see a significant drop off in their abilities and talents, so that would have been the year. I think they thought Hopkins would would open things up, but he's not the player he used to be. And Tannehill is a good caretaker, a Garoppolo type of quarterback that that can do that. But if he hasn't got skill guys, and their best skill guys sitting up there in Philadelphia and played in the Super Bowl last year when they traded him for on for some on. Un, un, unthinkable reasons. They've kind of played the salary cap a little too much. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The next question uh, is, which team is the worst team in the NFL? Is it the Panthers? I hate to tell you that. Oh, thank the you. The Bears or the Broncos? 
Well, now my Panthers have had a lead in every game they've been in. It's just, just haven't, I mean, they've been competitive. Denver has not been competitive. Denver dropped 70 today. And that could have easily been 90. Uh, that's probably the worst defense I've seen in a long time. The Bears are fairly competitive. I mean, it's not like they're getting blown out, but Denver's getting blown out every game. And we're starting to realize that, that and I talked about it last week, uh, Peyton's situation is a little bit like Belichick. Peyton and Breeze looked, you know, took to a Super Bowl, looked like a pretty solid group for all those years. And maybe it was more Breeze than it was Peyton. Just like we now know, it was more Brady than it was Belichick for all those Super Bowls. But they're, they're just, you know, I kind of called it at the beginning. I thought Denver was going to be a mess, and they are. Uh, and they've got an old quarterback that they pretty much mortgage their future on. You know, the, the, the Bears and the Panthers have young teams and young quarterbacks, so it's kind of hard to draw conclusions. I don't see any way the Broncos could get better. Yeah, and they again, were hoping he'd be like Peyton Manning when they brought in uh, Russ Wilson, and not at all. Mobile quarterbacks don't last past 30. Look at Cam Newton. I mean, look at the, they're good. They do fantastic things. Quarterbacks who depend, who are a running threat and a passing threat, just hit that 30 and clock out. They just don't have that ability. That's why they hit him. The clock ran out. Cinderella came in. The carriage turned into a pumpkin, and the horses turned into rats or mice or whatever. It's been so long since <laughs> Cinderella. I, I used the whip too far for the reference. I forgot the reference. But uh, yeah, that's that's it's again. They got an old quarterback, and they thought they could squeeze some years out of him, and it, it didn't work. Yeah, he squeezed lots of millions of dollars out of them. So, and his ego—he pretty much turned everybody at Seattle against them. And you know, Seahawks doing pretty well since he left. A lot better than the Broncos are doing. Yeah, because it's about um, oh, the coach at Seattle. It's about. What's his name? The the never aging. Oh. Never mind. We'll edit this afterwards, right? Oh, yeah. oh, the Owen Wilson lookalike. Yeah. Uh, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. It's more about Pete Carroll than it was about Wilson, or even well, some it, of the the Dungeon of Doom. Even Carroll bestows a kind of atmosphere that's conducive. It's a player's atmosphere. I mean, even the the Legion of Doom are all gone. But the team exists. I mean, players leave, and the team constantly continues to win. And that's when you can tell it's the coach and not the quarterback. I mean, it's, it's not a Belichick situation. Uh, everybody left at Seattle, they're still a contender. I wouldn't say they're a Super Bowl contender, but they were in the playoffs last year. They're a playoff contender. And, it's again, it's, it's the whole atmosphere of how he coaches and and again, they've got a, a, a stadium where probably the most difficult stadium to play at in the NFL, conducive to sound and, and, and intimidating teams. Yeah, one of them, no doubt. Okay, and then the last question, well, maybe not the last question for NFL, but the one I have prepared, what is the best team in the NFL? And I have written down right now 49ers or the Dolphins. Well, if, if Debo ain't out too long, Debo Samuel for the 49ers, I would say the 49ers. After all this drafting quarterbacks in the first round, 
you get the last guy drafted and Brock Purdy, but but he he does what he needs to on that team. He is a caretaker quarterback, but he's healthy as opposed to when Garoppolo was there. Their defense is intimidating. I mean, like I said, they have so many weapons. I would say the right now, if you got to rank the top five, I'd say 49ers, Dolphins, Eagles, Dallas. I'm left with someone, aren't I? Um, Buffalo. Maybe Buffalo. Chiefs. Chiefs, Chiefs, sorry, Chiefs. Chiefs, they're not the Chiefs they were last year. They're playing pretty good. Like I said, the AFC is just so overloaded with with good Super Bowl teams. And then you got the same old three over there in the NFC. It's it's disheartening to an extent. You're going to see an eight and nine team make the playoffs in the uh, NFC like you did last year with uh, Tampa Bay. Right. Okay, well, we're going to keep on speeding along, stay with football, and go over to college football. And... One more NFL thing. Yeah. Do you know if Tampa Bay wins tomorrow, will be the first time ever they've been 3-0, start season. <laughs> and they've got two Super Bowls. With Baker Mayfield. What? Don't worry. He'll, he will show his true face eventually. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't miss him doing progressive commercials. You know, I just don't. How much do you think he got paid for those progressive commercials I, more than he does for the uh heisman house <laughs> yeah. he's just a bit player in the heisman house i think tebow is milking that heisman house to death while he's still i mean i enjoy some of the heisman house it's just good to see it was a while for me to recognize barry sanders i mean not barry sanders billy sims, billy sims. Billy sims just did not look like i guess because the fro's gone but billy sims was hard for me to recognize everybody else is like I said, I enjoy the Heisman House. That's that's very funny. What them that in uh, the Dr Pepper? What is it? Title Town? Whatever it is. Yeah, that's funny. I enjoy those. I I, I enjoy the one now uh, where everybody gets upset, burning their <laughs> After burning the first their quarter stuff. Of the first game. First quarter. Brian Bosworth says, "Was that the first play?" Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've seen fans act that way in my daytime. Yeah, I wonder, fans are always fickle. I wonder if it's more fickle in college or pro, or does it make a difference? I think with the mobility of players, it's I, college football has a greater allegiance than the NFL. Because sometimes people will, like a lot of New England fans, start becoming Tampa Bay fans. When Brady went to Tampa Bay. But in college, no matter who the coach, look at yourself, Michigan. If Michigan was 0-12-12-0, you'd still be a fan. You don't care who the quarterback is. That matter, the coach doesn't matter that much. So in college, definitely, our allegiance are very, very strong, more than the pros. Well, this year, you should be feeling pretty good. Your Tar Heels are 4-0. and and they're ranked number 15 in the coaches' poll and in the AP poll. Yes. So we're going and to our go quarter, to... And our quarterback did a Patrick Mahomes last night. <laughs> he threw a left-handed touchdown. Sweet. Yeah, he's going to be one of the top five draft picks. Yeah, enjoy him while so you we have better, him. Yeah, enjoy him now. But he is 
Like I said, uh, Mac is proud that the last time Mac took the Carolina Tar Heels to 4 0, uh, that was 97, but we only have one loss the entire year. Nice. This is, this is the, the highlight. We're enjoying it. And the conference, the ACC is kind of strange this year. Clemson's not as good as they are. Virginia Tech is not that good. Uh, Virginia is not that good. It's it's you know it's Wake Forest since I lost the quarterback to Notre Dame is not that good, but Miami and Carolina and Florida State, uh, we've got some top fifteen teams. Right, it's, we it's thought a, we'd go down the top fifteen. Oh yeah, and uh, overrated so the, or underrated? Go go ahead. Yeah yeah, we really should start beyond the top fifteen because the last two podcasts or at least the last one we spent a lot of time talking about Colorado and okay. Co- Let's start with that game. All if, right. If you were living under a rock or camping the last three days, you missed that Oregon um, talked some smack between their coach and their players, and they put a smackdown on Colorado. Do you think that was more that Colorado was tired or just physically outmatched? Physically outmatched their defense and their offensive line. Didn't help when they went and stomped when the uh, – Colorado players went and stomped on the logo in midfield in the pregame. That wasn't very smart. Uh, I think they got tired of hearing Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. I, they just don't – they have great skilled talent, skilled position talent, Colorado does, but they do not have an offensive line. I mean, I think they were ranked – he had been sacked five times the game before. So it was, it was a talent issue. It wasn't a coaching issue. It was a talent issue. They'll, they'll probably lose the next four to five games. Right. still think they'll go to a bowl game. but They play USC at home this next week, and USC is just rolling. So Oh, yeah. yeah. They could send USC's uh, second string, and they'd still win by 20 points. Wow. That's, that's a tough conference. The weak teams undoubtedly are Arizona, Arizona State. Because everyone else is just is either ranked or near being ranked. Utah won the conference last year. Oregon State and Washington State are both mad because they were going to be left. They're going to be all that's left of the Pac-12 the next year. Uh, Washington Penix is doing a great job. We saw what Oregon did. Cal's not that good. Stanford is having some problems with UCLA, USC. You, I mean, they're all, it's, it's a packed conference. And, and I think Colorado can wind up beating the Arizona teams and maybe beating Cal and, and Stanford. And maybe that gets them to a high enough to get to a bowl game. Yeah, I don't think game day is going to be going to Colorado after this week. No, no, no. All right, let's talk about some other players or our teams. Number 15 on both polls are your Tar Heels at 4 No, They've moved up two slots. Um, do you think they're going to end up in the top 10? No, no. This is this is about where they'll wind up. They've got a week off, and then they've got to go against an undefeated Syracuse team with their quarterback, Strader, who's an underrated quarterback. But I think 15, that's about right. right? You know, We just want to be ranked. That's all we want. I don't think they're a top 10 team. Well, no. you are a basketball school, except for last year, I guess. Yes, yes. Sorry, Lobo. I know, I know, I know. It happens. Well, that was the only the one year I go to see a game in the Dean Dome, and they have a bad year. But hey, maybe I should stay away next year, huh? 
we we knew it was an NCAA tournament team. It just wound up being College of Charleston was the NCAA tournament team. All right, number Close fourteen. Enough. We'll keep rolling here. So Oklahoma. Right. Now Oklahoma's new coach last year looked um, bumbling, stumbling. He did not look like he had it together. But this year they're rolling so far, four and zero. Defense is much, much better. The defense is much better, and Dylan Gabriel is a serious Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. I think they're they're underrated. Defense is much better. I think they're underrated. I think this is low. I think they're a top-10 team. Okay. I'm going to wind up giving you like 15 top-10 teams. I know. I'm about to say, how I have to keep note here. Yeah. Uh, All right. The next team on both – Polls, it's change. It's different for the AP. It's LSU, and for the coaches' poll, it's poor Notre Dame, who had no luck last night and lost Ohio State, much to my chagrin. Sorry, Nate Moyer. Sorry that happened, but Blackbeard pulled out a miracle thanks to one less player on the field. Right, Ernest? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Freeman was trying to get in a new, another defensive lineman on the long pass play that went to the goal line. Did not. They had 10 players on the field, and then when Ohio State took it into the end zone on the last play of the game, still was missing one defensive lineman. So kind of hard to play defense with 10 guys. So that that's a management issue. Uh, you, you know, you got time to take care of that. That's that's you not you don't that's game management, and that does not reflect well on Marcus Freeman, the head coach at Notre Dame. Is that his th- fault or the assistant coach? Everything fault? is your coach's fault. Yeah, that's true. Everything is he's he got the defensive coordinators. Uh, that's the, just like you know what happened to Denver today, dropping seventy to Miami. It may wind up being the defensive coordinator that will fall on the sword, but that's uh, that's Coach Payton's problem. Yeah, that was brutal. No time left. Notre Dame losing, so they dropped quite a bit in both polls. I heard a thing about LSU. They're three and one. Yeah, they they didn't play good the first game, but they're probably more talented, and they'll probably end up in the top ten before it's all. Oh yeah, yeah. I think you know, but they play in a rough conference. I mean, they've got to play Alabama, who's not Alabama that we know of, and they've got to play A and M, and they've got to play a few other southeastern teams. So it's they may have three or four losses, but they're still, I think, talent wise, top ten. Notre Dame. Probably is that's about right where they would be. I mean, I've watched uh, Sam Hartman, their quarterback, for four years at Wake Forest, and he he's a talent. He's undersized, but he's very very accurate. But he throws very very low, and he you know he played with a mesh offense at Wake Forest, some more of a West Coast at Notre Dame, but but he he may get drafted. He's he's like I said. He is a borderline NFL prospect. Right. I do like their defense, but I think 13, is that what we have them as? LSU's 13. a 13. The thing is... Um, LSU's low. That's low for LSU. Right now, the only teams in the top 15 that have a loss are Alabama, Notre Dame, and LSU. But I'm going to read off some undefeated teams and then get to our number 10. So okay. Miami's undefeated. Duke's undefeated. Washington State is undefeated. North Carolina's undefeated. Oklahoma's undefeated, but there's another team above them that I bet most people would not know is in the top 15. It's only a four-letter, not four-letter school, but 
Yeah, it's it only takes four letters to spell the school. You know what that is? Army? Utah. Utah is four. No, my wife came in and saw the top 20. She says, Utah's that good? Utah was the Pac-12 champs the last two years in a row. But they get no love. They're the Rodney Dangerfield of schools. No, it's because the mountain time zone. Yeah, it's the forgotten time zone. It really, truly is. Anything that happens between Dallas and Vegas is pretty much forgotten. And that's that's their problem. Everybody knows they're one of the hardest-hitting teams around, and their starting quarterback may make it back this week. But they have owned USC the last few years just by bully ball. I mean, they're a very, very physical team. Now, of, of those, Utah is the most legitimate of all those teams you mentioned. Duke, you know, beat up on Clemson. So that's not a surprise in that respect. Uh, Syracuse is undefeated too now. So, yeah, Utah. No, that's more. Utah is a top ten team to me. Yeah, they are top. That's in their number ten, and right yeah. above them is Oregon. They're also they're at nine, and then it gets a little different. Not too different. Then USC is number eight in the AP, and number six in the coaches poll. Which poll do you think is more accurate or more objective? AP. The AP. There's no buddy system going on, huh? Well, there is, but I think for the sheer numbers of it, it kind of solves itself out. Yeah. I think the there's more of a prejudice with a lot of the, the news people in that respect. Just as much. I mean, it gets solved at the end of the year. No matter how they try to manipulate it and ruin the system, we usually come out with the best team winning it. I mean, it's just... Everything is against it, but it just seems to work out that extent. USC to me is a seven to eight. I mean, they haven't played anybody of consequence yet, so we really don't know. They haven't been behind for a period of time, yeah. so they're they're untested. I, I agree with that. That the, works pretty well. The rankings don't really matter, but if I had told you at the beginning of the year that in the top ten there is only one SEC school, and I I take that back. Yeah, one SEC school in the top ten. You would say I'd be surprised. I'd be, be surprised. It's a huge surprise, right? Georgia's the yeah. only one in. Is Texas in the SEC already? No, they're still yeah. in the last year for them in the uh, Big Twelve. Yeah, Georgia's the only SEC school in the top ten, and it used to be they had the you know two or three schools at least in the top ten. And I I think Georgia's overrated too. Oh. I don't think Beck, their quarterback, is as good as their former quarterback. No, I don't the think The defense is. is good, but I don't think, you know, they were down significantly to South Carolina at home. I just don't think this Georgia team is as is, is overwhelming a favorite as last year. So Georgia's overrated. I think Michigan's probably rated right. Really I think Michigan's they, a little overrated too, but I'm not going to complain about that. So Georgia's number one, Michigan's number two in both polls. And then that's where it changes. In AP, you got Texas and Ohio State. In coaches, you have Ohio State and Florida State. So Florida State, to me, is a real dangerous team. I think they can wing it like anybody. I think the coach has played in great intensity. Um, the sort of wild card is Penn State. In one rating, he has six. In another one, seven. But, you know, the Big Ten uh, teams sort of work it out on them themselves, and then they leave – 
the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Florida State, uh, Jordan Travis, their quarterback, is fifth year senior, and they have about four wide receivers that are six foot four, and they've got a defensive end that came from uh, transfer from the University of Albany, who is just dominant at six foot five. Uh, I watched every bit of the Clemson. Florida State game because that used to be a big game down here. It was the first time, first time Florida State had won that since Bobby Bowden was coach, and it went into overtime. And Clemson blew a big enough lead, and Clemson's in trouble. And we talked a little about this last time we did the podcast, but but Dabo Sweeney has taken this ancient thought that he refuses to bring in transfers. They have absolutely no. They're probably the only top top five team. In the Big Five, excuse me, the Big Five conference doesn't take transfers. He believes in being loyal to his recruits and training them and making them better, which was okay five years ago. But nowadays, you look at the transfers and the effect they have on each and every one of these teams. You've got to. Uh, there's two ways of uh, making your team, and that's transfers and that's recruiting. And both of them have equal equal importance. And there's so much talent out there. When we talk about guys who transferred, uh, Dylan Gabriel at at Oklahoma, uh, Carolina's best wide receiver came from uh, from East Tennessee State. I mean, there's just you just got to get recruit. You got to get transfers in. And I think this is ultimately going to, unless Dabo changes his feelings about this, it's going to make Clemson and also ran. They certainly aren't this year. They got two conference losses already. But right. Florida State is again, they're prime for this year. They've got a lot of fifth year seniors and seniors and, and Travis is not the most accurate of quarterbacks, but he's one of the most gutsier ones around him. So they're definitely the favorites in the ACC. So which coach in the top fifteen makes the biggest difference for his team? You think about all the great coaches because oh, wow. they have great talent. I mean, which type of coach will get them that win when the other coach may not? Well, it's not so much game management. It's recruiting, too. And you got to say George's coach. He's just he's – just, he's taken over the market. Kirby Smart has, has taken over the market in recruiting from Alabama and from Ohio State and to a lesser extent Michigan. They're, they're getting everyone they want. And a lot of that has to do with two national championships back-to-back. So the game management issue is probably secondary to recruiting. You can be a great game manager and a lousy recruiter, and you're not going to have talent to win. So I think Kirby is probably the most important to his team. I mean, it used to be Saban, but but I, you know, I don't think Saban is particularly happy with his offensive coordinator who came from Notre Dame. Notre Dame was glad to get rid of. Well, see, that's uh-huh. a point. Tommy Breeze, yeah. Right, that's what um, – I was down in Georgia last weekend and watched that Georgia game with my brother-in-law, and he could not stand offenses, Georgia's new offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo. He says, this guy's he's been here before. He's horrible. He left. Now he's back. And I started looking up that Georgia's lost a ton of really good assistant coaches because they were so successful and they've gone off to better things. I think that – Saban over the years has been able to restock as good as anybody with coaches when they come and go. I think Carball's well, done a pretty good job with that too. And now I think Kirby Smart's going to learn, 
You know, sometimes you you hit a home run with the new the next guy, and sometimes you don't. Saban has runs a halfway house. <laughs> Anytime an NFL coach gets fired, he winds up being his offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien, the coach at Texas. Lane Kiffin, Sarkeesian. Lane Kiffin, that's it. He's run a halfway Bill house. O'Brien, yeah. And he brings in these old coaches, and, and again, they'll do anything, and I guess they can get them cheap because they're usually getting paid in the old contract they have with the team they were with. And uh, he's he helps establish their name, but he, he's gotten, and like I said, Tommy Breeze, who he got from Notre Dame, was probably a mistake. I don't think they're recruiting at quarterback. None of these four guys he's tried at quarterback have worked out very well. It, it used to be Saban, but now it, it's Kirby Smart. Uh, usually guys have one particular talent. Saban is a great defensive back coach. Uh, Lincoln Riley is one of the masterful offensive minds at our time. That's why USC always wins their games 45 to 32. Uh, defensively, they can't stop anybody. But but right now, yeah, Kirby Smart. And it, Bobo gets a free run because he was quarterback at Georgia, and he's beloved. I mean, there's two old quarterbacks beloved by folks in Georgia. That's Buck Blue and Mike Bobo. And I don't understand. Uh, Buck Blue has, has, has marketed that into a, a radio program. He does pregames for the Braves. But uh, again, that's just the allegiance to all players. I thought Bobo was pretty decent. I mean, I, I just don't, you know, Beck is not the same quarterback as they had before, Stedman Bennett, and they don't have quite the same talent offensively. No, they lost so many good players to the NFL. It just, you can't always, you got to get experience. But I think Kirby Smart is so good about motivation. He just told the players at halftime, when they were not playing well at Southern at South Carolina, he says, Hey, one moment at a time, one play at a time. And he just yelled. And that's how he told him. He says, you know, get your head out of everything else. Right. By the gift of transmogrification. I love the idea that, that South Carolina gave him a scare. Cause it made our win over South Carolina. We being UNC looks so much better. <laughs> I mean, I think it was the first three weeks. Georgia was the only team in the SEC that scored victory outside of the SEC on conference opponents. Yeah. So I think then the conference is down a little bit in that extent. Uh, and your neighbors to the north, I saw Maryland destroy them. I mean, I just Michigan State is another team that I think folks thought had a chance to at least be somewhat of uh, something in the in the in the Big oh, Ten. Yeah, I, we had an early inclination that it wasn't going to be righted this year, even before the sexual harassment case. When their quarterback Thorne transferred to Auburn, it was like you know rats leading leaving a sinking ship. Yeah. All of a sudden, wide receivers were leaving. Other people. I think the word was out for a while that this was going to hit, and I don't it, wish ill will toward Michigan State at all. I mean. You know, every game except for one, I root for them. But, uh, yeah, they're not happy at all up there. And so we'll yeah. see. Speaking of hypocrisy in the Big Ten, <laughs> the yeah. AD for Ohio State appeared in front of Congress this week. Oh, did he, Gene Smith? Yes, and Begg pleaded for some type of financial cap on NILs and a limit to transfers, which 
which Congress is no more going to get involved in this. I mean, that, that genie's out of the bottle. He's saying, can but we he, go back to the days when we were dominating, is what he wanted to say. He claimed that recruits were wanting $5,000 to visit Ohio State. And they're used to only paying 1000 No, <laughs> the 1000 part, I don't know. <laughs> but that, really, that was the complaint, that, that recruits are, before they were visit, want a, a down payment. NIL money, before they'll visit. Again, that genie's out of the bottle. They hoarded all that money. And there's a great book out by uh, uh, one of the writers of Slate Magazine, which is one of my favorite blogs, uh, which is not sports, it's politics, it's culture and all things. It's called The Hot Seat, and it concentrated on the 2021 season of Harbaugh. And he sits and, with people in the stands, and he gets on the, the, the blogs and everything. But it's not only a viewership, it's a takes a week and he views the uh, decline of the coach at LSU and Florida State's problems and just indicative of how those in power have lost that power in college football and the, the whole atmosphere framework, the environment has changed so much better for the players themselves. And it's a fascinating, funny, funny read because he Is that one by I'm John sure. Bacon? Uh, no, not by John Bacon. This is by Ben uh, Mathis Lilly. Okay. It's called The Hot Seat, and I highly recommend it. That's my book club for today. Book club. Uh, but, yeah, and it's the you know, see Harbaugh, Kendall. Yes, uh, you know, even though Harbaugh's on the cover, it's not just about Michigan. He's a Michigan fan, but it's, it's about college football and the state of college football and how it's almost tribal and religious uh, to a large extent to people these days is, it, again, uh, one of the best books I've read this year. Right. Right. All right. Well, we've covered uh, NFL. We've got college football as well. Ernest, this is potpourri we, time. What do you want to cover yeah, we, next? We had hockey in Australia this week. Hockey. Come on. I don't yeah. want to, It's too early. But the idea of this in Australia blows my mind. It's the first time there was an NHL game below the equator. And they had a problem with the ice being mushy, but they played two exhibition games between the Coyotes and the Kings down in Melbourne, Australia. Ah, oh, oh, mate, I see some hockey. Uh, I just think it was, you know, it's part of their campaign. They've always played regular season games in, um, in Norway and Sweden and Finland, but I thought it was pretty neat. Was, like I said, I know it's too early. It's just and baseball we're coming down. My Braves have two starting pitchers that are on the injured list, so I don't know what we're going to do for starting pitchers. But you've got a, a race for the American League West between the Rangers, the Mariners, and the Astros, and only one of those two teams will probably be a wild card team. So there's actually a race. That's the last true race. That and the wild card that's going on. In the National League, the wild card race is between Philadelphia, Chicago, Arizona, Cincinnati. And one of those teams will not make the playoffs. I'm getting hyped for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm well, you should record. be hyped because they've been saying that the Braves lineup may be not only the best of all the teams this year, but would rival some of the best lineups of all time. And I went, what? That seems a little too much hype. 
What do you think about that comment? Name some of those lineups off the top of your head. When they say all-time lineups. Yeah, I know. That's well, they're the Yankees. You think about Nine, 97 Yankees, the 27 Yankees, the 76 Reds, right. the 74 A's, the 70 Orioles. Um, the, I'm trying to think. The A's in well, you, you start with 88 Acuna. Acuna is unbelievable. 40-40 player. He's like a Willie Mays. He's like the star. You got to have one guy who's just absolutely a beast. He'll be the first 40 70 player ever. Yeah. He's on 40 home runs and 70 RBIs. Then you got Alvey's playing second. He's been injured a lot, but he has 30 home runs. Then you've got um, Olsen, who has 53 home runs and 130 RBIs. You know, when Freeman lost. It was gnashing of teeth. But I think we upgraded because we got a player that was eight years younger and just as good a fielder in that respect. You got Harris, who's the rookie year at center field. We got interchangeable guys in the left field. You got Bradley at catcher, who has 20 home runs. We have seven guys with 30 home runs or more. You didn't even say Riley, did you? Riley, Riley has 38 home runs. May get 40. This is a down year for him, too. This is a down year. Uh, they probably will break the all-time single-season home run record held by the 2007 Twins. But the pitching, though, is looking tired right now. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Strider's about only consistent pitcher. He's the, um, uh, what's the character in Major League Charlie Sheen plays? Wild Thing. Wild thing. He's the wild thing. He uh, throws in excess of 100 miles an hour. A uh, very small guy. Kind of reminds you of Billy Wagner, who's a relief pitcher, who was under 5'10", who threw very, very hard. Um, they've got a few young guys. It, it's going to have to be a, a patched. Um, the Phillies get hot always this time of the year. You worry about the Phillies. Turner's gotten hot. They're a team that's got stars. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. I don't think the Brewers have enough to do that, but, but the Cubs could get hot. Swanson's not as good a year as he did with the Braves. In the American League, despite everybody, the Orioles have held on. I mean, that's when you look at it, they have no single star, but they have a group of young players. And even in pitchers, there's you know the guy they traded for, Jack Flatter, Flaherty, from the Cardinals, they're going to use him as a long relief pitcher. So it's just a combination. They're, them and the Twins mirror themselves, and they both have great bullpens, but don't have singular stars. Uh, whoever shakes out of the West, I don't know. And Minnesota is, is barely 500. They don't have the pitching, and they're not consistent enough. I would love to see an Oriole Brave World Series. <laughs> but like with most things in life, that probably will not happen. No, I doubt it. But uh, are you just happy the Yankees are imploding? Oh, yes. Yes. Every little bit. Even though uh, Judge is getting hot here at the end, he's gotten up to 35 even though home runs, even though he missed most of the season. Uh, they're going to go out and try and go for three. I think them and the Mets are going to bet they're going to split the bank trying to get Shohani. I, I just think both of them are going to put out, even though he said he wants to play for a West Coast team. 
Well, it's going to be Yankees, Mets, or Dodgers. Well, Shahani, I mean, he's going to have the surgery. He's already had it. The question I have is, is he totally done pitching? Is he just going to hit now? And that's not that bad. No, it's I mean, good. He's, what a he's still league a great home hitter. Runs. No, he's a yeah, great I, hitter. I, 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 but I was talking to a friend of mine. And he says, oh, it's too bad. He won't make as much money because he's not doing two-way player. And I think maybe some GMs are going glad. I don't want to, him to hurt himself pitching type of thing. No, I don't think that's going to hurt at all because when you get him, you have an international star. You got people in the Far East paying attention to whichever team he is on. And the other rumor is that the Angels are looking at trading Trout. They're just going to completely rebuild. They're going to burn everything to the ground. If they don't sign Shawnee, they're going to trade Trout away. Now, so Trout may be on a downward Trout decline. to the Yankees to be the new mantle, huh? I don't know. I mean, it looks a lot like what we saw with uh, with uh, Ryan Braun with the Brewers. He hit 30 and no roids. And I'm saying he's taking roids, but just a quick decline. That's the problem with long-term contracts. You, you just don't know what you're getting. You get hung up by one. The Marlins signed Stanton to a long-term contract and traded him two years later. Texas, when they signed A-Rod to that Half a billion dollar contract traded him within two years. You just money that long term, you, you don't know. Right. The biggest fear that uh, I forgot the guy's name, the former uh, ran the uh, players union back in the 70s. Oh, Miller. Yeah, Marvin Miller's biggest fear was that owners would go to one year contracts. Because then overall payment to the players would be paid what they're worth. And they wouldn't get these outrageous contracts which they're not able to fulfill. That every year players had to sign contracts. But see, owners' greed and need to be famous went beyond that. Yeah, I think um, baseball it still has a hard time because it goes so late. Here we are, uh, September 24th, and they haven't even started the playoffs yet. It's just too long of a season. They did some great changes this year. They got shortened the time length of the games, you know, clock management, all those things. They didn't just shorten the season. Is that ever going to happen, Ernest? No, money. I'll tell you how much that affects things in my lifetime. Uh, Sandy Koufax used to be criticized for not pitching on Yom Kippur. Today is the start of Yom Kippur which is the last day of the High Holies for those of the Jewish faith. It means the World Series was going on September 24th or around this period of time. And now if, if the playoffs continue and you get to a seventh game, you'll be in November again, first week in November. Uh, it's not so much the number of games. It's the bloated playoff system, which pretty much is the money. That's where the money comes in for baseball. But no, we'll never go back to 156 games. You know, the only way that's going to happen is if the players take a cut. That ain't happening. No. The owner, owners are always looking for money, and that money's coming down the line. Because now that the race situation has been settled, they're getting a new uh, stadium in the parking lot of the stadium they're at. And because the A's are moving, the A's are moving to Vegas. What you're going to see is expansion. 
two or four more new teams because that's a fast money grab. So is Charlotte going to be one of those teams? I wish, but probably not. Uh, right now, Nashville is the leading contender. There are people talking about replacing the A's in Oakland. They've always wanted to put another team back in Montreal to kind of pair off with, with Toronto. Uh, Portland, I would love to see one. Charlotte is the one location, metropolitan area, which is furthest away from a major league team. Uh, but it's, it's I don't know. Uh, Milwaukee's talking about leaving. Arizona's always talking about leaving. I just don't I don't think I'll see Major League Baseball in Charlotte in my lifetime. That might be something my grandson see. Yeah. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna have to realign and they're probably gonna do it geographically. You're gonna have instead of two leagues, four divisions. A northeast, southeast, southwest, and a northwest. Money, 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 money. Particularly now that they don't have the cash cow with a lot of these um, regional sports networks, they're, they're going to move pretty fast on this yeah. and get grabs, which means teams will be playing in AAA stadiums until they finish the, the new stadiums in that respect. Yeah. Orlando is another one, but I can't see them putting another franchise in Florida that doesn't draw people. I mean, either the Marlins or, or the Rays bring in more well, than 50. Las Vegas, well, they get a team. Vegas may get one. Uh, they're so late to the game, though. I just kind of wonder. Well, they are. They're getting the A's. Oh, that's right. Duh. Yeah. Oh, Sorry. Right. Threw me off, too. <laughs> well, let's, we got to wrap this podcast up. We're right up at time again. But always like to ask you about uh, latest entertainment you saw or things that you think would be cool to watch. Well, we're getting into the Halloween spooky season. There's an excellent film on Hulu called No One Will Come and Save You. In this movie, only four words are spoken. Is that spoke. the Shane, uh, Sh- Sean Patter- uh, Payton excuse me, story in Boston? <laughs> Might be. My Maybe joke went terribly horrible. I couldn't that's say That's all right. I don't I'm feel tired, bad. whatever. Don't, don't, Anyways, don't, go ahead. Song. So this movie. Uh, it's basically a girl in her house that you find out is being shunned by the community, and aliens are invading. And the tension, again, there's no words spoken. Only four in the entire movie. And it's one of those that will grasp you in the first five minutes. And it goes in different directions, to say the least. But it was a pleasant surprise. I'd heard a little bit about it and watched it Friday, and that was pretty good. By the way, those of you on Peacock, Meg 2 will be coming out this next Friday on Peacock. And on October 3rd, The Haunted Mansion the latest version with Orn Wilson will be on Disney plus. So that's the, the, the music trials and <clears throat> excuse me, didn't mean to do that. Edit that out. One of the few times I was right. So I get to lord this over everybody. The XFL and UFL, USFL are merging. And I think I called this. You back did. In- I didn't see that. When did that get announced? They've been working on it for the last two weeks they'll probably get down to 12 teams they're working out the broadcast because both of them have different broadcast partners the xfl had disney espn abc and the usfl was fox and nbc and they're probably going to split the games between fox and disney and show it like i said they'll probably get down both of them had eight teams they'll probably get down to 12. uh both of them had a team in houston 
Some of them did not play in their home uh, location, so they'll probably be eliminated, but uh, it'll streamline it. And I think this may give them the solidity to uh, become more permanent than other attempts at spring football. There is a market out there. It's not the NFL market. It's not the baseball network. I mean, the baseball, you know, ratings are certainly even basketball. But I think particularly when you have a writer's strike going on and an actor strike that may continue, that even if it ended today, you wouldn't see new shows for another year. I think it's a form of, of entertainment that's pretty cheap for the networks. I mean, you think about it, the, the fall season, which we used to get excited with new shows, you're going to have reruns of Yellowstone <laughs> and reality shows. There's two, ba- two bachelor shows, two dancing shows, two masked singer shows. <laughs> I mean, right, that's, they're all reality man, shows. Old man reference of the day for me. How about we bring back the Battle of the Network Stars? I always remember Joe Frazier almost drowning in yeah. the hard yard. Swim. We laugh, but it was... But it had to bring back Cosell, and uh, Gabe Kaplan always had the winning team. You he look it up on YouTube, and you think, this actually showed on network TV. Yeah, the only winning factor was Kathy Lee Jones in uh, a bathing suit. That was the only winning thing about that. It It was... It was, again, uh, you had a lack of, it came on in the wide world of sports because you didn't have all these baseball games on. You didn't have football games on. Again, you were limited to one baseball game a week, one college football game a week, and two NFL games. And so they had to come up with, with things to show. I mean, I was, I'm shocked that the over-the-air over networks like CBS and ABC, ABC shows lacrosse and they show pickleball tournaments. <laughs> I mean, we're getting anything here. but pickleball. I play pickleball, pickleball, but I would not want anybody to ever watch me attempt to play. <laughs> yeah. It's it's outdoor ping pong. That's all it is. Outdoor ping pong. It Test is. patterns bring in better ratings, but be that as it may. And welcome to autumn. The equinox has passed. We've been invaded by. Pumpkin spice lattes and falling leaves in cooler weather. Yes, yeah, we have, but I'm sad to see summer go. Well, Ernest, was that your last good words, or do you have one more final good word? No, no one no one kicked the bucket this week. That's <laughs> my last good word. And if you know our podcast, Ernest always watches the bits, and uh, it's a natural thing to do when you get older. So. Oh, yes, just to make sure your name's not in it. Yeah, that's right. All right. So thanks for listening to Pardon the Confusion. Um, we like to talk sports. If you have ideas or comments for excitement, please send, send it to me to, at gobluearnold at gmail.com. He's Ernest Watts. I'm Paul Arnold. Have a good night.